0: For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of Parenting with Impact. I am so excited to welcome Gretchen Wegner, who we've been collaborating with now for a couple of years And what I love about her and what you're going to find out is she's all about the anti-boring approach to working with young kids, not young kids, students around whatever support they need, executive function, et cetera. But what attracted me to Gretchen from the beginning, and you will find out in a moment, is that there is absolutely nothing boring about her. Nothing boring about her. (laughs) she brings the anti-boring approach to her work and to her life and Gretchen thanks for being here with us welcome
2: happy to be here and also just want to say I think we've been in contact for about five years now there that's you the, go the time collapse of COVID. that's it it's just like <laughs> last two years with COVID don't you feel like like I, those times who knows well,
3: it if right it had there. been boring then we would have known that it had been five years but because right. it's right. not boring, time flies when you're having fun. flies you got it <laughs> So, Gretchen, why don't you start by telling our crowd a little bit about how you got into the work you're doing?
2: Well, I was worked through my entire 20s and early 30s to become a teacher. I realized kind of later that I thought I wanted to teach. And then I got my first job in a super cushy middle school here in the Bay Area, Never had more than 16 clients. And I mean, clients, I say clients now, students. students right? And students, And I was angry all the time. And I hated being a teacher. <laughs> I hated forcing kids to do things I didn't want to do. And I, I was it. too chicken to quit. But the head of school, this was a private school, decided um, that he didn't want to mentor. I was one of these wildly creative teachers that actually had I been given really great mentoring in about three years would have been like probably teacher of the year, right? But I was still kind of working it through. And so he didn't recontract me. And Uh... I- ended up getting a position called academic coaching. I remember the person who interviewed me said, do you know what executive functions are? And I said, well, no, but I can make up a definition. (laughs) And the definition I made up was accurate. And she said, well, you are so hired and go learn about executive functions. So she trained me initially as a coach. And then I went out on my own and expanded and The rest is anti-boring history. (laughs) Well, so what was it about, you said, I thought I wanted
1: to be a teacher. And and what I would argue is you are are quintessential, right? And I remember having the same epiphany, like, I know I want to teach, but I never want to teach in a traditional classroom. Yeah. And so there was something about you that gravitates towards the teaching Mm -hmm. that you've been able to apply. So, so what is that?
2: Well, oh my God, I've been a teacher. Like I remember when I was in fourth or fifth grade walking to the school bus with a small group of students, all of whom were younger than me, and I would spend time creating curriculum for what they were going (laughs) to learn on the walk that day. So I have just been a teacher and now I do call myself a master teacher and a master coach. And I believe strongly that I am um, both of those things, but I... And my very first job, I was an actor educator, I worked from an educational theater company and traveled all over Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa doing like five day residencies at schools. And I wanted more, interestingly, I wanted more relationships with kids, an ongoing relationship. So that's why I worked hard to transition to teaching. And I didn't know that academic coaching existed. So now I get to have these incredibly intimate relationships with young people um, and teach, teach and, and act, yeah, and, and, and all those
3: things, right? And create so,
1: curriculum. So there's yeah, part right of me right.
3: that wants to talk about academic coaching, but there's part of me that really wants to see if we can talk a little bit about traditional classrooms and why it's so hard for these complex kids. Because
1: and great- why it's so hard to take an anti-boring approach. <laughs> yes.
2: So is that a, does that yeah. like A good conversation. So what do you yeah. think? Let's do it. I mean control. Right. Period. End of story. Move on to the next question. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, but in, Who's in, in
1: control the, is really the issue, right?
2: Yeah. Like you are, there you are a teacher in a classroom where you are told you, you have to, like, you have to control these kiddos and you're, you're telling that you're getting information from the principal or the school district or whatever. These are the things you have to get through by the end of the year. So someone else is controlling you, telling you, the teacher, what needs to accomplish in that classroom. And then you're like, oh, my God. I, I mean, I was a middle school teacher. So you've got all of these kids with coursing hormones and they're new inside their bodies. And I, and I have to do what the principal needs me to do. And so I've got to figure out how to control everyone.
1: And everything.
2: And everything.
1: And all, yeah, and all they learn. I mean, it's, when you when you put it in that framework, it's like, how exhausting it's must so that exhausting.
2: be? It's so right? And I only had, my biggest class was 16 students. Yeah. Right. So I've often said, I think to really be successful as a teacher, you have to be so passionate mm-hmm. about the topic you're teaching that you just believe the world is a better place when everybody knows about that topic. And so you're willing To go through all of the hoops that you have to go through to try and control the space and Mm -hmm. the kids and you're willing to get their pushback, whether that pushback is actual pushback in behavior or whether it's pushback because their learning style doesn't meet the way you're teaching or whatever, because you, you think it's so important. So here's what comes up for me is that there's this constant
1: dance that parents have with kids about a control or influence or agency or autonomy or, you know, whatever language you want to use. And parents start off in control, feeling like that's their job because that's their job. They have to control the environment, keep these kids safe, help them grow. And at some point, we have to start shifting the balance of control, right? Who owns the, the power, the control, whatever. But it is a constant power dynamic, and so let's transition from the classroom to the family dynamic, mm-hmm. because really, I know you're not about teaching parents to control their kids or yeah. teaching kids to push back against parents' control. So how does that? how is it showing up for you now in your work with, with students?
2: Yeah, it's really about helping. I feel like some, so funny, the image that just came to me is of like two pieces of wood nailed together mm-hmm. and a crowbar. Getting in between them and you know, forcing them apart, and I feel like I'm to some degree a crowbar. Right. Um, which okay. actually sounds like there's a lot of control in that too, but I'm a gentle there's force a, but not control, yes, 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 it, yes right? Yes. Leverage and force, but not control. Yeah. Yeah. And so really figuring out and instead of because a, a crowbar it's all at once, but it, it's like putting something in between those two things and wiggling and wiggling mm-hmm. and wiggling until there's some space there and doing the emotional support that it turns out I, I need to do a lot of for the parents because mm-hmm. that is so frightening to be giving over decision making and cuz a lot of times i'm saying that i'll tell a parent like what you're just what you just emailed me that's a great thing don't bring it up with your kid i will right um, and so <laughs> let <just>, go yeah
1: <laughs> it's a daily exercise in letting go
2: this thing called parenting it is, it is. And, and let me say quickly too so my best friend just had a baby and she's 45 actually wow. and um it's fascinating being I, I don't have kids of my own and it is fascinating being somebody who, like, I see the seeds of what's going to be a problem for her when her kids are teenagers You're right ready. now. And I'm the kiddo's ready. not even three months old. And it's mm-hmm. again, me just gently like, Oh, honey, here's a way of thinking about that just a little differently. Like I know you need to be vigilant, but can you just even soften the edges of the vigilance just a little? You know?
3: So let, let's bottom line some of this and what, parents need to understand better about
2: their complex kids. Mm -hmm. Well, I think especially because, because of the complexity, I mean, this is true when there's not complexity, but especially because of the complexity, you're not going to be able to control every little thing. Mm. Um, So just remember that like, it is so not in your control and so like, where is the fun and the play and that wiggle room? Like the other image that I guess I'm an image queen today that came to me is white uh, whitewater rafting and all that complexity is like the water and the rocks. And how can you find the fun in the ride down the river? Yeah. Well, what I would add is,
1: and stay in the boat. And stay <laughs> because so often parents get kicked out of the boat and then they're behind the boat screaming after the boat. And but but yeah. really where you have the most influence. And I think that's yeah. the counter to control is influence. Yeah. Right. Yes. Where we yeah. really have the influence is if we're still in that boat at playing together. Yeah.
2: And it's a deeply, deeply, deeply spiritual thing, I think, because then it's also how close can you stay without actually being on top of, or without being vigilant, like how it's a Zen koan. It's like, how do you be close and also give room at the same time? And I'm sure it's, I'm also not partnered, but I'm sure it's a similar kind of a dance in In a partnership. Well, and what's coming up for me as you're
3: saying that is that as parents, we don't know what that looks like really well. It's this sort of the example you gave about the three month old. It's like, we know how to tell our kids what to do. We know how to Tell them what we've learned. We know how to be the language the director. director, right? It's a sort of, we know how to direct. And when our kids are, are younger, they, they willingly, you know, cooperate with that and appreciate that on some level. And then, but we don't know what else to do. We, we wait for the day that our, their kids are in charge and leading their lives independently. But it's that sort of space in between where I think a lot of us struggle because we don't know how to be anything other than in charge or out of
2: it. Right. And actually, what I'm about to say is also related to my friend. She's teaching me so much right now, but she's constantly looking for the right decision. Mm. Oh, yeah. Is it right to vaccinate? Is it right not to vaccinate? Is it right to vaccinate, but to do a couple of vaccines over time with her newborn? And she's so scared of making the wrong decision. decision. And it's yeah. like, honey, every decision in today's day and age is the wrong decision, frankly. Yeah. No, it's not about or wrong. everything is right.
3: Or, or everything is, is right, right, right. There's not a there's not a wrong decision feels different. Somebody said that to me recently. There's not a wrong decision
1: mm-hmm. here.
3: There may not be there may be decisions that end up the way that you thought they would, or decisions that end up completely the opposite of what you thought they would but it doesn't make them necessarily right or wrong.
1: Right. Right. But I think you have to start. I mean, that's the whole thing of parenting is is, as soon as the, the journey starts for you, wherever and whenever that is, and for some people it's with pregnancy or adoption or whatever, as soon as it starts, all of those notions you have of what it's going to look like You kind of got to throw them out the window because this being is already an independent being Mm -hmm. who's going to influence. And your job is to kind of meet them where they are and dance with it instead of guiding them to what your vision was. And that's, that's hard to let go of too.
3: Well, it is the thing that makes it hard. I was on the phone with a mom this morning who's got a 22 year old who this time of year, she's like, it's so terrible. Everybody's kids going back to school and they all have smiles on their face and they're moving them into their dorm rooms. And she's not in that situation. This kid is struggling with what's coming after high school. And it's just so hard because you compare yourself to that picture-perfect reality that others show on
2: social media. On or social watch, media, right. And it's hard. Yeah. Well, and I guarantee you those smiling pictures, that was the one smile you got. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Before all chaos reigned, Right. Wow. So so make it real. What is it that is the primary focus when you work with kids, right? And then you have some influence in conversations with their parents. What's the message you want the parents to
2: get most of all? It's, it's funny because I'm just going to sound like you guys here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, we're preaching okay. to the choir, but that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like the coach approach, right? Like learn how to coach alongside your student. Learn how to really help them. Not just have agency because they have that already, but help them know that you see and appreciate their agency.
1: Wait, Mm -hmm. say that again because that's brilliant, right? It's not just that they have agency.
2: Yes, but they need to know that you know that you see and appreciate their agency. Yeah. And also, you, the parent, guess what? It's not just that kids have agency. You do have agency too. Yeah. And you are a human being too. And especially as kids get older, to be able to see your humanity and your agency. Like one of my favorite things to say to a resistant student sometimes when I'm working with them, like, especially let's say planners, no one, I mean, very few kids really want to use a planner. And who can blame them really? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on year five with one kiddo. She's a junior in high school now, and it needs to be the last year I see her, even though her parents are going to want me to see her next year, but I'm going to say no because- She needs one year without outside support before she goes to college. And I finally, I just looked at her and I said, honey, this year is going to be the year of you using a calendar. And you've heard me talk about it. I've worked with you. You've got your system that you like, and it's really working. But I would not feel like I am in integrity as an academic coach if I let you get to college Without, without practicing calendar. how to use a calendar and you don't have to use it ever again in your life, but I'm just going to tell you this year, that's the one thing I'm going to require of us that's and we'll fair. do everything else you need to, but I won't feel good about myself. Yeah. If I don't do this with you. Yeah.
1: I remember the first time one of my kids put something on a calendar. I actually cried because <laughs> it had been I, no joke because they put it on themselves and I, it had been probably four years in the making Mm-hmm. and and it was dramatic because they realized it was a tool that served them yeah. and it wasn't me forcing the tool it was them saying, ooh, I need this yeah and that's the shift we're looking for at whatever stage in all the different ways
3: Well and then they get snarky because like mine the other day
1: I asked her where she's going she's like, well didn't you look at my calendar right <laughs> You know, I got an email from a kid this summer. She's like, could you put your flights on the calendar, please?
2: (laughs) It's on there, honey. We just have to invite you to it, you know? (laughs) And speaking of invitations, it's just, I even just thought about this just this morning. It would be easier for me and my business to send my students invitations for all of our sessions. That would be easier for me. And I know a lot of people do that and I'm resistant to it and I'm resistant to it because then they don't have to put it on their own calendar. That's right. And And I would rather catch that. Like why you showed up late again, or you didn't show it up at all. Why? Right. (laughs) What's going on? How can we work with this? But it makes
1: my life harder (laughs) to do that. Well, but that's what it is with parents, right? It's like so often we do things for our kids because it's easier than for the us. painstaking process of helping them do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole coach approach, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, anti-boring, gradually transitioning agency from us to them. Yeah, well, and, and that's, it's but, hard.
3: But what you said, it's like, it's sort of, it's easier for us because they can't do it, right? It's just sort of, we're again, we're waiting for that day when they can do it completely independently instead of going, oh, wait, I have to teach my kid Mm -hmm. how to use the calendar. I need to help my kid remember to use their calendar. I need to, you know, use the calendar with my kid. You know, it's a sort of the in-between stuff again, right?
1: Yeah, it's so true.
2: Well, and I'll just say to sort of wrap up this calendar piece that, one of the my biggest learnings once I started academic coaching, I had no idea so much goes into making a to do list and writing in a calendar. And when you oh really break down all of the attentional tasks that are needed, it's outrageous. It, it's a so minimum of executive of five, fashion. yeah, a ma- maybe a maximum of twenty, depending on the kid to be able to actually put something on the calendar and then follow up with it later. And so I have so much humility now around how many skills they have to learn. So, and I have to say, see, Diane, it's not just me. (laughs) No, it's not just you. No, it's
1: not. Because this is like calendar is the bane of my existence. Like I can manage a lot of things. I can write books. I can create curricula. And putting something on the calendar is, it's just still super hard for me. And so one of the things when you have, executive function issues is to play to your strengths and outsource your challenges right and so now I'm I'm a grown-up right I can outsource. and I put that. stuff on our calendar right <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're going to start bringing this fabulous conversation we're going to start the wrap and we're going to start by asking Gretchen how can tell us a little bit about anti-boring and how can people find you
2: yeah, so I have a course that, ha- well, I have a toolkit of study strategies and executive function strategies, and that's what the anti-boring approach is, is this toolkit. So there is a course directed for parents and students called the Anti-Boring Approach to Powerful Studying, and then there's a course for educators that teach you how to teach those tools Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's called The Art of Inspiring Students. And then I also train folks how to start their business. So there are many people, often so many parents, who've nurtured their own complex kid through the process, and then their kid goes to college, and then they're like, Oh, all this hard work. I think I want I'm i good at this. But yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: so then I have, I have both a, a course for that. And then I also have a uh, community monthly calls where we troubleshoot and connect with each other. We just had one this morning where it was so nice. Oh my God, how was your summer? Right. <laughs> what are you noticing as we go into the school year? And, uh, and being of- part of community is so important. <sighs> Yeah. right
1: we are we do not have to be isolated and alone out here in these in the wilderness there are others who are going through what you're going through whoever's well, and that's the
3: say that's true if you're a professional and like all of us, or if you're a parent and you're struggling with your kiddo too. So let's Well, And and this is
1: an interesting conversation. We may have to have another one in the future with you, because it's really interesting that that the path is very similar. We start off serving the community that needs to be served. And then we move into serving the professionals who serve the community, which is what we've done with our certification program. And right. Uh Like there's something about how hard it is for the professionals, the teachers, even the therapists to get this information and to know how to, how to dance in this realm. Right. Absolutely. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay,
2: so you so, talked uh, about the program. How do they find you? Yes. Yeah. So you can just, my website is gretchenwegner.com for right now, but I will say also as a result of this conversation, people might be interested in my three-step communication model that Diane just learned about yesterday <laughs> called the consent burger. And you can sign up for that. I have a free two pager about it at Gretchen Wegner.com slash consent. So that that's a way you can have something. Practical.
1: So Gretchen Wegner, that's W E G N E R.com slash consent. Yes. Got it.
2: Yeah.
3: Excellent. All right. So I so still have a
1: few more minutes. Yeah. So
3: as we start to wrap up, is there anything else you want to talk about or share with our listeners um, that they might want to take away from our conversation?
2: Well, I think I'm just moved to say, because I've been chewing on it after my call with my, um, my, we call them the anti-boring crew, like the people right. who've been in my world for a while. And one of them was um, just concerned about the school year Yeah, And I mean, it is a concerning school year that we have coming up and it's concerning, of course, for a number of reasons, but as we know, like just mental health of ourselves and our students is just, um, is just going to,
0: I think. Need attention.
2: Say again. (laughs) It's going to need a lot of attention. A lot of attention. Yes. And so I really want to urge everyone to really enter the school year with a lot of grace. The world Mm -hmm. is changing there. I really don't think there's such a thing as all the hoops, all the developmental hoops and all the school hoops that we need to jump through anymore, really. What we need to be focusing on is that we're doing our best to be, I can't say happy, but, you know, in the vicinity of healthy (laughs) and that we're supporting our kids to really understand how to take care of themselves because the world we're moving into is going to require, require that, that more yeah. than require people who understand history and math and all of that. Algebra, obviously maybe. that's important too, but just it's not the most important thing. Never oh, and, lie, and really not. What I was talking to
3: someone about yesterday is the fact that, and this is the vision I want to hold, right? It's this sort of, this could be the catalyst that helps the school system to make another shift Mm-hmm. that can be in the favor of these quirky learners who just don't fit the mold because we are having to be more flexible and more in, allow for more independence where it lives and stand closer where it's not. I mean, there, there's this kind of flex we're having to do right now that I think could really set ourselves up well if we don't just go back to the way it was, but we say, how can we, how can we build on what we learned with these years of
2: struggle?" the learning. Right, right, right. And so I think also having grace with the teachers and learning how to, like, yes. if you're noticing something isn't feeling right, really bring it up. But again, bring it up with grace, <laughs> remembering their agency and our own agency. And we're all in this together and we're all... We really are right now kind of. We we were joking before we hit record about building the plane while flying it. And that's really what's happening as a culture more than I think it's perhaps happened in recent times. I'm not sure.
1: And more than is comfortable for a lot of people. Yes. Right. And so yes. really, this issue, this is Diane and I are, are with you on this again, right? You know, this issue of we actually do know what to expect in the coming months. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we want to prepare for, Yeah. is how to dance with the transitions that are coming, because yeah. we know they're coming. Yeah. Right. And we can do that.
2: Yeah. So let's get that tango music turned on and start <laughs> <Get laughs> <we're> dancing. Let's <laughs> start dancing.
1: So, We have a fun wrap up. We'd like Mm -hmm. to close the show with a request of you. If you have a favorite quote or motto you'd like to share with our listeners.
2: I'll say two. They're both quick. I mean, one is just funny. And I brought it up in another interview. (laughs) Um, The song "Staying Alive Mm -hmm. is not necessarily a favorite song of mine. But for years now, whenever I'm in transition, like I have finished a project or I finished washing the dishes and I'm moving on to something else. And often when I bend over, I hear in my head, staying alive, staying alive. Uh, uh. Uh, 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 stayin alive. <laughs> so I just, I like think that is the most bizarre thing. I do not know why that particular phrase is the most thought phrase in my mind. Well, the last I- couple of years, it, it's
3: in well, all
0: other like, people's
3: minds <laughs> but, it ties into, but it ties for me into the anti-boring thing right so it's a sort of staying alive can be like oh i'm still alive or it can be
2: like i am alive oh, wow. i am moving i am grooving love this <laughs> refrain. i am staying alive, alive. culture has given me i'm gonna be alive and not numbed yeah. <laughs> there you go well and to that like The other phrase that or motto that I hear myself saying more than anything, welcome to the FedEx truck coming by in Oakland. (laughs) All
1: good.
2: (laughs) All good. Is when in doubt, reach out. When Mm -hmm. in doubt, reach out. And never, never more important than now. And one of the problems with that motto is people often don't know they're in doubt. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so you have to know you're in doubt in order to reach out. But it's especially important to notice and reach out. And and when you're in doubt, you don't know, you sometimes don't even know what you need. And mm-hmm. so many people don't reach out because they think they have to decide exactly what they need and what they should Ready request first before yeah. they reach out. And I'm a big believer, parents, students, educators, business builders, when in doubt, like literally the reach out can be to, to somebody saying, hey, I'm typing with my hands right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <"Hey." laughs> Hey, I, I'm, I'm feeling some doubt. I don't know where to go from here. I'm reaching out. You know, I love
1: this. Gretchen, when I first, I did a year-long intensive leadership program, development program. And the first assignment they gave us was ask for help. Mm-hmm. And all of us kind of went, wait, what? Huh? What do you mean? Ask about what? And we were trying to like hone in on specifically, what do you want us to do? And it was really just ask for help. And it was so open that it turned into these fabulous conversations about what does it mean to ask for help? And when do you ask? And what help are you looking for? Or what if you don't know? And, and just being open to that is such a transformative place for a lot of people. Okay. So I love that. When in doubt, reach out. Wow, Beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Awesome.
3: Gretchen, it's been so fun having you here. This has been an awesome conversation. Appreciate
1: you and appreciate what you're doing in the world for parents. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for being here. Our guest, anything else, die before I wrap us? Yep, okay. Our guest is, is Gretchen Wegner. She is the quintessential anti-boring queen, coach, and educator, non-traditional educator extraordinaire. And Gretchen, we're really thrilled to you with us. And just to those of you listening, thanks for all you're doing for yourself, for your kids. At the end of the day, you are making a difference. Mm-hmm. Have a great day, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.